from Byron, Mississippi. It's Lakeshore Church. And now we join Pastor Jay Frazier for today's message. Um, we've been doing encounters for some time and um, through the summer. And, and today we're, at, this is, this is the, 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 the points today I'll say I identify with. And in my own spirit, in my own relationship with the Lord, I identify with Mary Magdalene. And, and I will share different levels of that today. And when I think about that, just dabbing won't get it. God wants us to be all in, and we're going to unpackage that for us uh, today. But Luke chapter number 8, uh, three verses, and then we'll pray and you can be seated. But it says this, Afterward, he was traveling from one town and village to another, preaching and telling the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, called Magdalene, seven demons had come out of her, Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod Steward, Susanna, and many others who were supporting them from their possessions. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord. We'll simply ask for my words to be yours and my thoughts to be yours. And every one of us would walk in obedience to what we hear today. Wherever we are in our journey, God, if we need an encounter with you, and as unique as today is, each one of us would experience that. And Mary Magdalene and her relationship with you reminds us of that. So bless, Lord, and we'll be careful to praise you now and forevermore, for we ask it and pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Do, do you remember, and some would because of age, um, uh, I, I never have participated in this stuff. I, I've seen pictures, but I love the saying, uh, for as long as I remember, I remember the saying, a little dab will do you. And people have used it in different things. And some time ago, I found out that it was Brill cream. And so I want to tell you, I've never put any of that stuff on. But uh, if you have, that's okay. I think you can go to heaven if you do that. But anyway, a little dab will do you. Brill cream. And, and you can go to the internet. I just found this one. It's sort of just, there's a bunch of old ones, like old cartoons and things of it. But many times when I think about just a dab, I fear that that might be our mindset today when it comes to spirituality sometimes. Sometimes I think our view of things is just a, it's just a dab. It's really no big deal. Sometimes our commitment to Christ, we might view it that way. Whether it's Christ to us or us to Christ, maybe we need a refresher today about some amounts. Maybe we need a refresher today of the, the severity of sin is how big is sin if it costs Jesus his life, the blood had to come out of his body, then maybe we need to be reminded of the severity of sin. Maybe we need a reminder today of suffering, that suffering came about because of sin. Maybe today we need a reminder of the sacrifice itself. Maybe we need to get a, a vital picture. I can remember some that are visiting today. I can remember us rent, renting a theater and we, because when the Passion of the Christ came out in a neighboring town and we had hundreds of people showed up for those showings, and, and I just remember how vivid, I'd never really thought about how vivid Christ's crucifixion, and I think Mel Gibson and them captured in The Passion of the Christ. So maybe we need some of that memory. We need to be reminded of, of how much it cost Christ for us to have the hope and the opportunity to be made right with God. Today, if I gave a subtitle, a theme to the, if you will, an underlying theme and subtitle, it would be The Cost. When I think about the cost and I think about Mary Magdalene, it is, it is given to her that she was, many believe, was the one with the alabaster box. Uh, C.C. Winans sings that song very well. I've already listened to it two times today. 
probably 20 times the past week. I'm one of those crazies that when a song ends, I'll kick it back and listen to it again. And it drives some people in my life crazy when I do that. But, but I might miss something. And, and, and I listen to, I've listened to this song many times, a couple of dozen times this week, The Alabaster Box. And, and the lyrics are phenomenal. And it basically puts in context of Mary Magdalene and where she was. And you have no idea, as it says in the chorus, you have no idea the cost of the oil that was in the alabaster box. In other words, you see that. They said it and even talked about it in Scripture that the, that the, the oil there was very expensive. But what she was saying is where I was was very expensive. And what Jesus did for me was very expensive. And it's just a parallel. Hmm. And yet today there's a conflict with Mary Magdalene. There's several. If you remember a few years ago, we, they came out with a movie entitled The Da Vinci Code. You remember that? And, and, and I think Tom Hanks was in it, if I remember right. One of those actors. I think that was him. I only watched 10 minutes of it, and just the little part I saw, it wasn't the beginning, it wasn't the end. It was right in the middle. And I saw 10 minutes, and so it was enough for me to know I didn't need to watch any more of it. It made me so mad, a couple of things they said about my Savior, and, and that was enough. But The Da Vinci Code, the whole premise of it is, is that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene, and they had children. And what's the big deal? <laughs> well, there's a big deal. It's a very big deal. And the depiction of the Last Supper and the, that picture is that, that many people have in their homes and we have in churches, that's not John, the beloved beside Jesus. That's Mary Magdalene hugging on him. <laughs> Stuff like that. So there's a conflict. And, and I've already told you that there's some place in Scripture that different ones believe that it wasn't Mary Magdalene. She wasn't the one with the alabaster box. And I guess that's all right. I believe it was her. And and so in understanding, that will be apart from where we go from here. And just settling in with this to realize that there are times that people say, if that's her, and if it's her, and if that's really her in the Scripture. But today, I think we can glean some great principles by our life. And as we think about that, listen to these Scriptures today. Mark chapter 16, verse 9 says, Early on the first day of the week, after he had risen, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. That's pretty significant, wouldn't you say? That the Son of God, upon resurrection morning chose to see Mary Magdalene first. That's, that's pretty big. Hmm. And it says there, out of whom he had driven seven demons. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save the lost. Hmm. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him. And you know, for some time I've been doing the Christian standard, but in, in the King James, it says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. And, and I like the Christian standard better because it's about knowing him. We can acknowledge God all day long, but know him, have a relationship with him that you know him. He will make your path straight. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse 17 says, therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch any unclean thing. And I will welcome you. See today, just a little dab. We just want enough of God to go to heaven. But here, this verse reminds me that God has more than just a little dab for us, doesn't he? He desires for us to separate ourselves from the world and be different. And God and the world would see the difference. And then Philippians 2.13, our last verse is this. It says, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Many times, and I think the church is guilty of this, we have sold a bill of goods to people, just be saved, just be saved, just be saved. Then we've told people it's out of God's love, and it is God's love. For God so loved you and me that he gave his son. And we can't even comprehend how that love is that so many would reject him. But I want to tell you today, more just add to God's love. God has a purpose for your life. He has a desire and a, and a direction and a plan for you. That's good after camp. That's good for people we haven't seen in a while. That's good for all of us to be reminded that God has a purpose for my life.
before I get to heaven. He wants to accomplish his good work in us and his purpose. I said a minute ago that I identify with Mary Magdalene. I, I, I just maybe could come up with a better way to say it, but this week, just working through this, this thought kept coming to mind. I can identify with that. When I see her life, I, and so we just captured it, that I identify. I identify with Mary Magdalene, and I want to unpackage that for you. When, when I think of Mary Magdalene, I identify first with the charge. And I'm not talking about a charge to charge up the hill like we're a, a, an army going together, but I'm talking about a charge that's laid to our account. The Scripture says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have charges against us. <laughs> it's, it's our sin, if you will. And this thought and this question comes to mind, what if our sins were on display? Hmm. Wow. You remember earlier we preached on the woman caught in adultery and they, they brought her up from the very act we caught her and she was on display. It says that they put her in the center of that. You remember that in the sermon? Her sins were on display. Hmm. And yet Jesus, in that moment, he stooped down twice and he said this, you without sin, throw the first stone. You, you without sin, you, you go first in, in stoning her. And it says they all left. We all have a charge of sin against us. Hmm. See, see the, the, the only absolution that you and I have today, and it needs to be said, the only absolution that you and I have today with sin is Jesus Christ. It's not goodness. It's not being a good person. It's not that the, the wager says I got more good on my account than bad, so therefore God's going to let me into his holy heaven. Oh, no, no, no. My only hope today is that I know Jesus Christ. And today we've watered it down, and, and maybe we've changed the goal line. Maybe we've changed the, the, the requirements. Some have, but it doesn't change God's word. Huh. And it's a major issue today. Then it needs to be said again and again and again. Forgiveness can only be found in Jesus Christ when it comes to our relationship with God. And, and many times we've, we've confused that. So we all have charges. Just like Mary Magdalene, I can identify with her because I have charges. Secondly, the, the challenge comes to mind. <laughs> in life we have issues, and we all have them. The scripture tells us that she had Seven demons. The text said it. Matthew chapter, I mean, Mark chapter 16, verse 9 says it. Says she had the demon. What, isn't that a great label? Isn't that a great, you meet me today and say, oh, by the way, my name's Jay Frazier. I had seven demons. I just want you to know that. Wasn't that a great label? I mean, she was labeled. She was labeled in the word of God. Oh, this, oh, oh, I know her. <laughs> That's the woman that had seven demons that Jesus exercised from her life. Seven demons. What a label. And yet so many times we departmentalize things and we'll put Mary Magdalene in a whole other group than us, but every one of us have challenges in life. The question comes to mind is how did she get where she did? Was it an overnight thing or was it a longevity thing? Was it terrible choices and ter terrible decisions in her life? Hmm. The tough life that she had, those terrible decisions, or maybe it was just time. Not to be too forward and to offend today, but I just want to put it where we all live. I, I wonder how many demons we have. Some would say, well, how dare you? Are you talking about demon possession? Not necessarily. Are you talking about demon oppression? Not necessarily, but I am talking about he operates in some arena of our life. My favorite is unique. I didn't know these guys were coming to this service. I, I didn't know, you know, but I'm reminded, I'm going to tell a story about church yesteryear. Some years ago, I, I taught Sunday school and and we just had one service, and I taught Sunday school. It was out of a need, and, and, but, but for, and some are here. For three years, a class that I taught, I'm going to reference a verse. We, we talked about Ephesians chapter 4. 
I'd have people in the summer like this time of year, they'd go on vacation and they'd come back. So I knew we'd still be in Ephesians 4, so it didn't bother me. We, we talked about Ephesians 4 forever. But I want to show you why. Just one, there was just one little thought after another in Ephesians 4. It's so powerful in our life. And, and here's one of them. Ephesians 4, chapter, verse 27, it says, give no place to the devil. Just a simple little thing there. And that verse is not, and, th- and that's not talking about just an opportunity to be possessed. That's talking about an opportunity to give the devil a place to operate in your life. And so many people don't realize this. They think, man, I, I used to hear people say, I'm being tried like Job. The only way that I'm being tried like Job is when I live in total surrender and, and, and the devil's having to go through the throne room to get permission to deal with me. If I have an unsurrendered area in my life, I have a challenge. I have a demon, if you will, then the op- he's operating right there. Listen to this. It's a great thing to remember. If you give the devil a place to occupy in your life, then he will begin to operate in that way. Hmm. Some of what are you talking about? Well, bad attitude, unforgiveness, unsurrendered sin, unsurrendered part of your heart, something you want to keep for yourself, and you know God wants you to give it to him, but you keep it there where you've given the devil a place to operate in your life, occupy. And if he occupies that, he's going to operate. And you know what's scary is if he operates there long enough, he'll act like he owns it. Give no place to the devil. And see, in this, this understanding of challenge, we, we need to know, just like she had seven demons, you and I need to be aware of where he operates in our life, potentially. I identify with that. I surely do. Then I also identify with the chase. Won't stay there long. But even at a young age, being converted at seven in my life, I, I, even then I can recollect how God was pursuing me. You remember Luke 19.10 where it says, for the Son of Man has come to do what? You remember the first word? Seek and to save. Long before you were saved, if you're converted today, long before you accepted Christ, he was seeking you out. Did you know that? Revelation 3.20 alludes to it. Behold, I stand at the door. Watch this. And listen. And knock. Long before we opened the door. Before we opened the door, he was knocking on the door. Before I was saved, he was seeking me out to be saved. And so it's the chase. God chases us. He truly does. For God so loved the world that he gave. Hmm. Listen, you know what's amazing in this is we don't have the story. We have the summation where it says, oh, she was the one that had demons cast out of her. But did you know in the word of God, we don't have the story? And what's really unique, and there's a a guy in our church by the name of Corey. Uh, Corey has been after me for, it seemed like a year. It seemed like forever. It seemed like eternity. But he's been after me. He said, Brother Jay, you watch The Chosen? And I said, no, Corey, I don't have time for that. He said, you really need to. It's a, it's a neat deal. And I thought, no. And then I started, you got to have Netflix. I was thinking about it. And then you got to have subscription. And I said, I just don't know how to fool with it. A few weeks ago, I preached on Nicodemus, if y'all remember that. And in that sermon, I talked about it. And, and Daniel, who was up here today, Daniel told me, said, listen, if you're going to preach on Nicodemus, you got to go see The Chosen. You got to see this scene. Told me what episode. So I found out I could download it on my phone. It's an app. You can watch the first two seasons. And they're, they're filming the third season now. And and so I go and watch it, and it had me. I mean, I watch a 10-minute deal of Nicodemus and the Lord. Got chill bumps all over me and tears in my eyes, and I'm done. You know, I got, I got like two, two or three episodes left, and I'm up as far as I can go with The Chosen. But in The Chosen, it is a phenomenal scene when Christ meets Mary Magdalene and in her pos- demon possession and how he, <laughs> he blesses her and changes her heart. And then she's in it a lot. Because it says she followed him, just like the text said today. The point I want to make again is this, is that God chases us. Let me say this just in connection with you. Aren't you glad God chases us? Huh? 
Aren't you glad that he is chasing you today, even if you're denying him, even if you're not living like you need to live, that God will give you an oppor- another opportunity. He'll speak to you. He'll chase you again. Maybe that's happening for you this morning. God's in that business. Oh, and I'm so blessed. At so last, in this regard, when I identify, it's also about the change. In John chapter 8, verse 36, it says, He that the Son sets free is free indeed. But I want to remind you, folks, there's a cost. If you go back and look at chapter 7 of Luke, right before our text, you'll find the story. you find the story when we talk about the alabaster box. I've already alluded to it. We talked about it just a dab will do you. And many believe that the alabaster box woman is Mary Magdalene. How did she come up with a, with a box that held such expensive perfume and ointment in it? How did she come up with that? Was it because she was a wealth, from a wealthy family and she had lost her way and now she's been reclaimed to her family? Maybe so. Was it because many believe she was a prostitute and it was, it was money made in that world? Others believe that, that what she had could have been illegal, immoral, that, that funded her being, having this alabaster box. And some would even have a hard time with that. We'd say, wait a second, so you're telling me she took a, a, a box of ointment that was very expensive that was probably gained from illegal or immoral ways and she put that on my Savior? Almost doesn't seem right, does it? Except for one thought. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says that my sins and your sins were put on the Savior when he was on the cross. So today, every illegal, immoral thing in my life and the sin that is part of my life was put on my Savior so that I could have the hope for redemption. So before we start down that road, we need to be reminded of the, of the cost and the severity of sin and the suffering and the sacrifice that it took for redemption's door to be opened for you and me. Hmm. When I think along those lines, be reminded today just to say to the Lord, thank you, Jesus, that God was willing to pay a price so that you and I could be redeemed. You know, I thought about for a moment as we transitioned, I thought about those seven demons that she had. And it came to mind that the church of hundreds of years ago came up with the seven deadly sins, things like pride, <laughs> things like slothfulness and, and, and gluttony and other things, lying, it's amazing how we need to be reminded today that just like she had seven demons, we could possibly have deadly sins in our life that are not what God wants them to be. I thought about what Solomon wrote, that six things are detestable, seven are an abomination. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, feet that are swift to run to mischief, hmm. bearing false witness against a brother. Oh, wow. And then I began to think, we're really, that's why I can identify with Mary Magdalene so well, because... In, in a lot of ways, we're just like her. We're, we're bound up by things in our life, and we need to make, meet someone that can make a radically, radical difference in our life, which he did for her. Wow, the change. This is where I want to close today, and it's one more word that comes to mind. But um, when I think of Mary Magdalene, I also think of champions. When I think about a champion, think about these guys being here today. I hope they win that thing. That would be great. By the way, Jackie, I had my Georgia-Columbia shirt that you bought for me on the other day. I want you to know that. So, but uh, it, it, it is what it is. Champions. Winners stick out. A few months back, I, I go to the doctor and I get a bad report on my cholesterol and some other things. And I said, well, how do you fix it? Well, you stop eating red meat. And you, your cardio numbers, your, your good one's low. You get it up by, by exercise. I was really offended sitting there hearing a doctor tell me this. So I started on this journey. I picked a great time, as hot as it could be. I mean, sweat. Did you know you can just sweat and stand still and sweat in the south these days? Hot as it's been. It's supposed to be better this week than last. 
But just, just humidity and just, it's unbelievable. So I've been going down to the Heinz Parkway. It's uh, three and a half miles, got it, and it's, it's drudgery. I mean, it's, it's sometimes it's all uphill. You hear me? I mean, it just feels like it's really uphill. But the first few times I went, I met a guy, and he's running by me. He's, his waist is about 24 inches. One thigh is like 26 inches. His thigh is as big as his waist. One thigh, not both of them. This guy, the time that I walk and jog and crawl three and a half miles... He's come by me, and he's on his second six, running. He's just smiling. I thought, what a hypocrite. That can't be, that can't be fun. But I think he's really enjoying himself. But he looks the part. I didn't look the part. I think he was maybe laughing instead of just smiling at me. You can tell a champion. Listen to me. You know how you can tell a champion? Because they stick out. This guy's sweating and he's, do, I mean, he's doing some miles per hour. He's a champion. I'm sure he's a marathoner. He, he's got the look. I'm sure he looked at me and went, ain't happening. <laughs> What's the point? You know, I, I, I say this, you look around, we have, we have the crosses. I, I, I've been fascinated for years and years about the three crosses. We have three cross concept of ministry. We, we talk about the cross, Acts 1-8 cross. You go in the restroom, we got crosses everywhere. We got over 200 now, I think it's right at 200 on the cross walls. Crosses everywhere. I've been very fascinated with the cross for years, years. But you got to have a horizontal and vertical. How many times y'all heard that? You know, to have a cross, you got to have two planks of wood. There's an intersection. There's all kind of stuff. There's four quadrants of the cross been fascinated. But I want to give you one more dynamic of the cross this morning. You ready? I'm fascinated by who was at the cross when Jesus was dying. And he gives us a list. Short list. It says others. So there's some people that weren't identified that were followers. But we have a list. Some of those people on the list. Jesus, the mother of Mary, the mother of Jesus. We got her. She's there. John, the beloved, best friend of Jesus was there. Nicodemus, we preached on him a few weeks ago. He was there. He was there. You know who else was there? Mary Magdalene. You already have a resurrection verse. She's the first one that Jesus sees upon resurrection that has an encounter with her in that regard. But she's there. You know what that says to me about Mary Magdalene? She was a champion. She was a champion. Now, this is so good today because we should ascribe, we, we should thrive, and we should live to be a champion. Not at the expense of others but so that we'd be recognized by Almighty God. The Scripture says, one day he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Champions. One day, champions are going to be recognized by God. But here we come along. Listen, this is going to hurt a little bit, but listen to me. What happens today is, instead of being all in, we just want a little dab. I want enough of God as one person said, I want fire insurance. <laughs> I just want a policy with God. I don't want to change my life. I don't want to be a radical. I don't want to be a champion. I just want enough of God uh, just to dab on me enough that I miss hell and spend eternity in heaven. Let me tell you something. If you know Christ, you're going to heaven, not because of what you did, because of what Christ did. But listen to me. God's got more for us than that, folks. Give me a couple of minutes and I'll be through, but listen to me. God is looking for people today that will be all in. And we've seen them. Listen to this. We've seen them. You know who we admire today in our world? Both historically, biblically, we admire people who were all in. 
The three Hebrew children were all in. Well, how do you know? They said, well, listen to me. If you don't bow down when they play the music, we're going to, it's not going to end well. We're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And this is what they said. Be it known to the O king that if our God delivers us, he can. We know he can. But if he chooses not to, we're still not going to bow down to you. You know what they were? They were all in. Amen? Why do we revere Daniel the way he did? Now listen, if you go up there and pray like that, you're not supposed to pray like that anymore. They're going to throw you in the, in the lion's den. And the scripture says he went back up there and opened the windows like he'd done for many, many years of his life. And he prayed again. Threw him in the lion's den. Hmm. Why do we revere people like that? Why, why, do we, why do we revere a person like Hannah who was barren and that culture, just like ours, couldn't have children, so she was looked upon and frowned upon that she was barren, and, and she made a vow to God that if God would give her a son, she would give him back to the Lord. And God blessed her, where we had that saying in nurseries, where for this child I prayed. Hannah prayed, and God gave her a son, and his name was Samuel. And when he weaned her off, when she weaned him, she took him to Eli the priest and said, here's my promise that I made to God. You know why we revere her as a champion? Because she was all in. And on and on we could go, story after story. Why was Abraham who he was? It's because when God told him to do it, he made plans to do it. He didn't debate with God. When God gave him Isaac the promise and said, your lineage is going to be like the sand and the stars, you're not going to be able to count them. And there are billions of people today that call him Father Abraham. Do you know that? God's true to his promises. And all of a sudden he says, that promise, I want you to take the promise up on the hillside and I want you to sacrifice him to me. It says immediately he began to make plans to go. Huh. You know why? Because he was a champion for God because he was all in. Now that was biblical stuff. But what about people in the world that we live in? Huh? What about a person like Mother Teresa? Why do we herald her the way she, we do? Because she was all in. Why do we herald the memory of, of Billy Graham the way that we do? Because he was all in. I could tell you a story about a, a Billy Graham today where Billy Graham wouldn't go in a hotel by himself. He didn't want anybody to be able to see him in any capacity that wouldn't bring glory and honor to God. So men would go in and check the hotel rooms before he went in. And there was one time, I would say liberals, but that'd get me in trouble. I'm sure it was. Somebody was going to set him up and take a picture of him in a compromised position with, with a woman. And they had it all set up. But because he had integrity, because he was a champion, he was all in. It fell on nothing because he was prepared for it. Why do we revere people like that? It's because they're champions for God and they're all in. They're not just a little dabble, do you? They're all the way in with Almighty God. And on and on we could do. There are other names. Elizabeth Elliot comes to mind. Wow. Jim Elliot's a missionary to Ecuador. I went there six times. I saw that place up close and personal. They killed him. They martyred him. And years later, she goes back to witness to some of the very people that killed her husband for his faith. How could a person do that? Preacher, that, that's not possible. Yes, it is when you're all in for God. God didn't tell us the way it was going to end. He just wants us to be faithful to him to the end. Amen? Oh, listen. And then, then there's others. Closer to home to us, there's Mike and Evelyn Gary. Hmm. Over 50 years, they served the Lord on the mission field. Mike's now in heaven, and Miss Evelyn's still doing the, doing the work on the, on the Mexican border. You know why? Because they're all in. Meet people and still meet people today that led to the Lord. Now they're pastoring churches and affecting a place. You got Glenn's mom and dad, whose dad's in heaven. His mom's still serving as a missionary today. You know why? Because they're all in. On and on we could go. I could talk about Stan Toller, who had an impact in my life. He didn't have to. He's in heaven today. He's a Nazarene. What's a Nazarene doing spending any time with a congregational Methodist person? But you know why he did it? Because he was all in. 
Mm. And I saw it up close at his memorial service when that, with all that thing. My own pastor, Wendell Thomas. Why do I revere him the way that I do? Because he's all in. He was a champion for Almighty God. God's got enough people going through the motions. Be all in. You to visit lakeshorecmc.org to find out more online. That's lakeshorecmc.org. Thank you for joining us.